Untitled Beatles podcast. Something new. Take uh, one, <laughs> three, two, one. <laughs> that was nice of us to do that for Casey. Give him a slate so he can figure this out when he, you know, puts us all together. Well, he, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't, we just started the show and I can't speak. Well, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. So, I'm Tony Mendoza. Mendoza. And my name's TJ Shanoff, and we're thrilled to be with you today. <laughs> we're like, is this like a, a kid's show we're doing now? Well, it might as well be. I, it, I think it is. It's our first show back. It's our first live show since the Get Back uh, Peter Jackson documentaries. Yes. We've been running some reruns to spend time with our family for Thanksgiving and other things. That's true. And all the upcoming holidays. Yeah. So we thought, you know, we would try to do something new today. You like that? Mm. Something new. (laughs) Which is why today we talk Beatles VI. (laughs) (laughs) Or Beatles 6, as a lot of people say. Uh, Boys, I will. Then why doesn't the cover have the number six on it? (laughs) That's a good question. You know... (laughs) Why do you guys use letters for numbers? This ain't Rome. America's doing great. It's never going to fall. Their political commentary makes me so mad talking about you. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're doing something new. An album John Lennon loved so much, he wrote a line about it in, in my life. Is that right? What is that line? Well, John Lennon thinks of love as something new. Yeah, this was, yeah, this was, I believe, his favorite American release. John Lennon never said, when I think of love as Beatles VI. <laughs> you didn't hear that. I think he would have said Beatles 6. I think he would have. All right, Beatles light him up. What would Lennon have said, 6 or VI? Did he like Roman numerals or not? And what was the deal with life with the lions? <laughs> By the way, you somehow made the end of In My Life sound like the Cheers theme there at the end. How did you do that? (laughs) There you go. We did it. All right. Well, (laughs) so this was an American record, right? Stay Uh, away from me. American (laughs) record. Canadian band, stick to your own country and speak English. So this is the third Capitol Record LP. So as we all know, the American discography is so nutty. In my hand, I'm holding a copy of the um, something new mono version. Me too, with the T. No ST uh, the, in this motherfucker. That's the right. T, yeah. T2108, yeah. as it says here... This monophonic microgroove recording is playable on monophonic and stereophonic phonographs. It cannot become obsolete. It will continue to be a source of outstanding sound reproduction, providing the finest mo- mo- monophic uh. performance from any phonograph. Monophonic. Monophic. Monophic. Monophonic. 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 Yeah, uh, it's and I love the Capitol albums on the back. They advertise more Beatle hits on Capitol, Meet the Beatles, the Beatles' second album, and the Beatles' songbook by the Holly Ridge Strings, which adorned <laughs> Dennis' office from 1964 till yesterday. That one has never gotten a CD release. I tell you what, that one has definitely disappeared from the old canon. Yeah, there may be a Hollywood Strings compilation on CD, but I don't believe the individual Beatles things. Like, it may even be on, like, Very Sarabande or one of those labels. Whoa, man, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, get on Discogs and go find that. Did you you got to get the compact disc version. Disc hogs or Discogs? <laughs> yeah, I did that in honor of Michael Lindsay Hogg. Everything is... <laughs> I'm, I'm in hog heaven, bro. <laughs> you're in Michael Lindsay bus hog heaven is where you're at. <laughs> Stick the music! <laughs> yeah, stick to music. 
life. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, let's not count introducing the Beatles. But let's, let's say meet the Beatles is the first USLP, even though introducing the Beatles really is, but whatever. Yeah. The first capital USLP. It's fair to say, although after 1980, when a hard day's night entered the capital catalog, something new got bumped to the fourth capital LP. Right. That's right. Yes, because United Artists actually put out the Beatles, which I'm also I'm holding like the night the purple uh, label, like 1980s version. Sure. What label do you have on that? Uh, well, I've got a few different iterations, but the one I'm holding is the I think the final United Artists pressing with the Sunrise label from 76, maybe. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yours says stereo on top and the groovy font. Mine does not. Yeah. But actually, my mine I bought at the store, like sealed, brand new, and I've got I've made my own wear on it from since nineteen probably eighty nine, and this is Good when luck it came. Selling that with all that ring wear. <laughs> oh, Tony, you've got one of the great. Is it the small capital logo? Let me see that. Um, that's yeah, the final see. pressing. Is yeah, that right? Man, can that, you tell if yes, that's small? That that I is, guess it is. It, you can always tell the the purple capital label from seventy eight says manuf excuse me MFD by capital with the smaller capital label spells the word manufactured out and that is the final pressing of the U S Hard Day's Night album. That's kind of hard to find at this point. Well, hey, 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 yeah, I got mine. It's, it's my favorite pressing. It's got. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. My favorite pressing. <laughs> Well, it's got a bunch of uh, it's, it's mine's been relict, you know, because now people are buying guitars and stuff that are like relict, you know, where it looks like they've got the buckle rash on them and all that stuff. And it's like, OK, and there's you have to spend like an extra thousand dollars for like somebody to rub their belt buckle all over it for <laughs> three hours, a robot and wherever. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, talk, I'm talking about if you go to Guitar Center and you're like, oh, I want a Stratocaster and you see one that's like brand new on the wall, but it looks like it's been beaten the shit out of like and then and it's sold for a thousand dollars more than like a, a Squire Stratocaster that is in pristine condition. And it's 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 been relict, you know, it's been made to look like it's been on the road and it's like it hasn't let it's gone from the factory to Guitar Center. It's just a stupid that part. I bullshit. got then you said checking about a robot. I was like, well, ooh, go on. <laughs> well, the reason we bring up Hard Day's Night and something new in the same sentence is because these these records came out at the same time, kind of. Uh, something new was released after the United Artists release of A Hard Day's Night. So Hard Day's Night in the U.S. Re was released June 26th, 1964, and... Something new was released July 20th, 1964. Originally, it was scheduled for August 1st, but they rush released it 10 days after the Hard Day's Night LP in the UK was released. So I don't know what the logic is on that, <laughs> but that's the chronology of it. The two discs share some songs in common. Would you say is that a, that's accurate, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, certainly. I mean, in fact, uh, this was Capital's attempt. Uh, it was a cash grab because all the this there were no Beatles singles. There were some George Martin singles on United Artists, but the Beatles singles concurrent with the film from the Hard Day's Night United Artists soundtrack were Capital forty five. So a Hard Day's Night and Can't Buy Me Love were both on Capital, but they didn't have the ability to put those on their long player. I think they can only use a certain number of songs. They actually chose the songs that weren't singles. Yeah. And that's what they put on on the majority or on side two of something new. But yeah, people in 64, man, people were buying the same stuff over and over again the following year when the early Beatles came out. And I think early 65, that was a repackaged Capitals version of introducing the Beatles took some songs off of it and it still sold in the millions. The Beatles could do <laughs> no wrong for those years. <laughs> It is crazy, and it, it it makes it very confusing. Like I know when I was talking about the chronology just a couple minutes ago, that's very confusing. It's a it's a confusing record, but if we take all that stuff out and just experience it as the record itself, I find it a very fascinating listen because there's not a lot of hits on it, but it's still to me a very enjoyable record. You got five songs that were featured in Hard Day's Night, the film. There's three songs that were on the Hard Day's Night UK LP. 
There's two songs from the Long Tall Sally EP, which was also just released in the UK. And then you get that one random oddity. <laughs> you, end, you end it in German, which is always so... It's a weird little record, man. It was such a reminder that for many, many years, I've been saying Glucklick and Fro. <laughs> Glucklick and Fro, yeah. No, mornings, and I think they're on the morning zoo in Tampa. They're my favorite. Show us your tits on Glucklick and Fro. <laughs> They get started early there in Tampa. <laughs> 4 to 5.30 uh, a.m. <laughs> derelicts. Wanna be derelicts. Check it out. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a great album. It's only 11 songs deep, which is, which is you know, the, the quote-unquote capital way. It breezes by. But yeah, it's such a fun record. And at the time, I can imagine, in 64, the Hard Day's Night soundtrack was a few Beatles songs, then a George Martin instrumental, then a Beatles song, yeah. then a Martin instrumental. In retrospect, the George Martin instrumentals, I think, have held up really well. I think better than some of the Ken Thorne stuff on Help. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're they're fun. And I think more fun than the George Martin stuff on Pepperland, on Pepperland, what the hell, on, on the Yellow Submarine mm-hmm. album. Um, Agreed. Also known in, in Norway <laughs> as Pepperland, is what they called the record. Um but yeah, it's it's a really fun album, and the oddities make it unlike any other Beatles album. It almost feels a bit, the first side has a bit in common with the Beatles' second album, yeah. because the only slow song is Things We Said Today on side one, and that's not really a slow song. It's like an up-tempo ballad, so it's, it's just a side of rockers side one is. Yeah, I, I found it to be, again, a very enjoyable listen. And the cover, let's look at, let's just talk about the cover for a minute. This is just a photograph. I believe this was from Ed Sullivan. It was. And I think it was their third performance that was aired. And from what I've read that the third performance they aired was actually from the first night they did Sullivan, but it was like the rehearsals. So it was actually before they recorded, uh, you know, all my loving and everyone saw that live. So that's what this picture is taken from. Uh, I do love that font. Font Lover's Corner, by the way. <laughs> um, I don't know what the font is. I'm sorry. There's no, they haven't uh, done a Shazam for fonts yet, but I like it. Shout out to Reddit user RingoStar39, who thinks that the font is alternate gothic number two. That's not the font I like so much as it is the, uh, what do they call that? The kerning, where they put the typeset and it, it looks like an, an earthquake is shaking. Something new, it says twice. I like this album cover. Thank you for visiting Font Lover's Corner. Fonts, fonts, love those fonts. Yeah, the album cover's great, and they use the same picture. The single from this record is <laughs> fucking Slow Down and Matchbox, which to me is so funny. As much as I love that British UK, or not the British single set, but the uh, the recent 45s collection that used the, the uh, photos from all over, releases from all over the world. Right. I do love that, but I would love an American 45 set with all the great cover art and stuff like yesterday that wasn't a 45 in World. That's wide true. until much later so it's just so funny when i see this cover i think of the picture sleeve for the matchbox slowdown 45 that i think cracked the top 20 i ain't got no matches but i sure got a long way to go yeah 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 the other thing tony about the record you talk about the the album this what i love you read the mono the monophonic or monophonic information (laughs) this album is produced in england by george martin and in the usa with the assistance of dave dexter jr i wonder what george (laughs) martin thought of what the fuck dave dexter all he did was throw song titles in the air let them land and then make the, the the track list from it like he didn't produce anything well, he assisted. Right, right. He, he, he's, he's the assistant. <laughs> he be he was the first one to be for the benefit of Mister Kite about it. Where they throw he threw the random songs in the air and tallied them up how they landed. We taped them together. <laughs> Went home the next day. I love that story too. Yeah, he turned it down to eleven songs. Why don't you just make ten louder and make ten be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. For you Spinal Tap fans. 
because in the UK, Hard Day's Night had 13 songs. The US version of Hard Day's Night has 12. Here in the U- the good old USA through Capital, you get 11 songs. That's 11 a, songs. That's Dave, that's Dave, the Dave Dexter touch. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. Now. As you mentioned, it's a short record. It's 24 minutes and 27 seconds in stereo and 24 minutes and 47 seconds in mono. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, actually, that's right off the bat with the first song. Should we go track by track? Yeah, I would love to go track by track. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, OK. Side one kicks off with I'll Cry Instead, which is, I think, such a peculiar starter. I love it as a starter, but too. it's, you know, OK, deep cut. Bammo. <laughs> And the country rock feel, I mean, it presages a bit what we get. I know said presage twice because I think I learned the word this week. It presages a bit what we get on Beatles for Sale slash Beatles 65, certainly. But yeah. it almost, in the Dave Dexter country rock world, it almost kind of foreshadows Rubber Soul because you're opening an album with a country kind of folky tune. Yeah. I got every reason on earth to be mad. Obviously, I've just seen a face isn't quite as much of a rocker as I'll cry instead, but it's the same kind of weird oddity opening an album track, opening a U.S. million selling Beatles album. And this is a great one. This one wasn't used in the film, but when they reissued the, the you remember the big deal when the VHS came out in might have been for the 20th anniversary in 84 when MPI, MPI, I remember, was the company. I was always like, how did this little company get a hold of a hard day's night? I always <laughs> thought it was so ridiculous. MPI yeah. did a lot of the, they did help in Magical Mystery Tour on VHS as well. I'm pretty sure it was that MPI logo. They added it as I think Dick Lester put like a music video together for I'll Cry oh, Instead. For that? Okay, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, what I had read was this was the song that was originally used in that breakout sequence, you know, that eventually was Can't Buy Me Love. Can't Buy Me Love. Yeah. 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 And it was that Dick Lester didn't like this song. And so yeah, he replaced it with Can't Buy Me Love. That was that was the story I had read. Dumb um, move. <laughs> It did make me, he was like, oh, what don't, I was like, what don't you like about this song? It's the Beatles, but they were also still such a new thing. He could be like, eh, I don't like that one so much, but I like it. I love this song. Yeah. Total. It's, it's almost rockabilly, you know, with that. It almost sounds like Paul's bass is like an upright when he gets those uh, descending things he does. Yes, I'm gonna break them too. I'll show you what your loving man can do until then. I love that. I've always loved that. That was actually one of my favorite parts of that song when I was a kid. That was like, ooh, I liked it. It was kind of Peter Gunn or something like that to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting song. This is, I mean, this album, the whole Hard Day's Night album, the British Hard Day's Night album, arguably their best early album what arguably one of their top three we've said in the show so many times uh yes revolver and yes abbey road and yes rubber soul but you can't for a hard day's night the british one with 13 tracks on that oh uh, yes 13 on the british right. hardest night there i for, for a second i was gonna make another walter becker 13 tracks of whack reference <laughs> because it just makes me laugh walter becker as one half of the legendary duo Steely Dan, this virtuoso songwriter and guitarist has given us some of the era's most memorable music. Now Walter Becker goes solo with his extraordinary new Giant Records debut album, 11 Tracks of Whack. R.I.P. Walter Becker, when Black Friday comes, um, and when winter comes. Great, there great. you go. <laughs> Tied it back to, to McCartney. Hardy's Night, every song is great on, on the British LP. I mean, every yeah. song... It is it is a rock sound. There's no there's no covers. There's nothing for you to kind of ping right. as being a cover. So it would make <laughs> sense that some of the things that they pulled from that era, even the minor Beatles songs of this era are fucking classics. I'll cry instead. It is certainly one of them. The mono and stereo differ. One American only choice was to extend the mono. Uh, I think it's it's one fifty something, and the what what's the or one forty seven is the length of the stereo. 
it's uh, 144. Does that make sense? I think it's one for, yeah, 144. Here's what I know. The, the mono version is two minutes and four seconds and the stereo version is 20 seconds shorter than that. Yes, Tony, and in and a mistake that was never corrected on all vinyl copies of something new, including the last that the small manufactured by Capital One that I have, it's listed as two hundred four even on stereo copies, but Ooh. you're indeed only getting the shorter stereo version. You know, all if you own one of those stereo versions, you can sue Capital Records about that. So maybe <laughs> I get a class action going. <laughs> <laughs> They released it as a single in the U.S., this song, I'll Cry Instead. It made it to number uh, 25 on Billboard and number 22 on Cashbox. Yeah. How did it do in Record World? <laughs> right. Oh, I'm going to tell you, I got that info right here. <laughs> oh, look at you. My favorite book as a kid, The Beatles on Record by Mark Walgren. It ended, it goes up to 82, and it just gives all the chart information and little bits and pieces on every... If oh, I find a beat-up copy there. of this, yeah, so, I mean, if, this is my favorite, but <laughs> <laughs> the page tore right on unfinished music number two, Life with the Lions. <laughs> That's where the book it's falls apart. That's a sign. John sent out for sleeping and of course, that author later went on to start uh, New Kids on the Block. <laughs> yeah, right? I guess even now, then you could say he had the right stuff. <laughs> Get it, Casey. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so this begs a question. Depending which side of the picture sleeve for the I'll Cry Instead 45, it's either backed with I'm Happy Just to Dance With You or I'm Happy Just to Dance With You is the A-side. I'm kidding. I think I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'll Cry Instead is the A-side, but on the picture yeah. sleeve, it lists both uh, at the top, depending on the side of the sleeve, which That's is fun. fun. That is fun. Thank you for that. Yeah, I've always liked this song. I think it's it's a fun start to this record. You're kind of in for something different, something new, something old, something blue. Right? Something me, something you. Touching you. Come on, Red Sox fans. Don't make me defend you. I went to college in Boston. I love Boston. A lot of y'all are dicks. <laughs> Mass holes, right? Isn't that Mass a term? Mass holes is what they call them. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I got kicked out of a, I got the, my, like, I've only been to Massachusetts like twice in my life. And one of those times I got kicked out of a bar, excuse me, I got kicked out of a liquor store because I gave the guy attitude about being carded or something like that. <laughs> and he was like, nah, you're out, you're out. <laughs> and don't, don't try and get your friends to buy you beer. <laughs> it was just like. Anyway, whatever. When you said you got kicked out of a bar that went to correct yourself, I was waiting for you to come back with, I get kicked out of a bar. I was waiting for you to do the <laughs> Tony does his Massachusetts imitation. And I do. No. I, I lo That city's like a second home to me. Some of my best friends ever made were there, but some people, no. Stop <laughs> being regressive dicks. I get that. How it ended, right? And the last words on Cheers are 10 dances saying we're closed. I love Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Ted Danson was like, thank you. I'm uh, glad we passed the audition. audition. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Shelly Long was Yoko. <laughs> it won't be Shelly Long. Have we used that joke? We need a joke tracker. <laughs> I think we did. Recently, we used that. <laughs> Wonderful. But we didn't make like a thing out of it. We didn't make a drop out of it. Now we have. It won't be Shelly Long. before a live studio audience. Well then, okay, so in the two hole, as you like to say, <laughs> TJ. <laughs> when you say it, it's so much poopier. <laughs> it's Things We Said Today, another one of my yeah. favorites from this era. It's to me like one of the, this is one of the moodiest starts to a Beatles record, you know? I'll cry instead, Things We Said Today. We're off to kind of this like, you know, especially in the throes of Beatlemania, this is kind of dark for these guys. Someday when we're dreaming Deep in love, not a lot to say Then we will remember Things we said today 
Well, it does hint a little bit at what's going to come in Beatles for Sale, right? Their exhaustion, yeah, and the themes begin getting darker. On, on it's what what's the 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 Lennon story where was it Maureen Cleave challenged him to write a complete song? And I always felt like John wrote complete songs way earlier. No reply is a complete song, isn't it? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I say anything's complete. Honestly, like verse chorus is complete. That What's that Stevie Wonder song? I was made to love her. Has no changes in it. Yeah. That's a complete song to me. Yeah. And it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, bite me, Maureen Cleave. <laughs> Please, I'm begging you, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Different Maureen, I know. Thanks, Mo. <laughs> it still makes sense. This is a great song. It's an upbeat minor key song. It's very sophisticated. It's almost, it's a different sounding song, but it reminds me a bit of the sophistication and darkness of John singing There's a Place. I mean, it's the same kind of, it's a little moody. It's about themes that are way more adult than the Beatles seem to be at the time. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I knew till I was deep diving on this. It's because this album has John playing piano, Paul playing piano, and George Martin playing piano. This is John playing piano in this. I think I always thought this was George Martin. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yay. New new tidbit. That's cool. Well, I know here's what I found out. Paul described this song as nostalgic about the moment you're living in right now. So he wrote this on holiday with Jane Asher in the Virgin Islands in May of 64. So a little respite from Beatlemania for a second. And it was kind of about the distance of their of their love, you know, because they were both very busy, creative people doing all sorts of things at the same time. And it was deep in love, not a lot to say, you know, yeah. it's almost like they spent their their moments away from the the madness just calm together. At least that's what it sounds like based on this song. Yeah. And uh, it's another one that when Paul trotted this out as part of his return to touring in the 89-90 tour, this was one of the few, oh shit moments I can recall <laughs> because it wasn't Let It Be, Long right. and Winding Road, Get Back, Hey Jude. He pulled out in the middle of the set, Things We Said Today might have been just i forgot where it where it came it was like right around i gotta consult consult tripping the live fantastic but <laughs> i know i think it came it opens the second disc of tripping the live fantastic just for eleanor rigby oh. with a pointless and lovely robbie mcintosh guitar solo that's like <laughs> is he auditioning to tour with pink floyd this is going on long <laughs> enough my guy probably That was also the era of long guitar solos, too, you know, where yeah. it's just like, okay, you know, people didn't have anywhere to be, you know, they had nowhere to doom scroll, you know, <laughs> you could listen to a guitar solo. Classic rock guitar solos are the original doom scrolls. <laughs> I think you're right. I think so. But I've always liked this song and I yeah. totally get that thing about being nostalgic in the moment you're living in right now, especially when you're in your 20s. Like this, he was in his like early or mid 20s when he wrote this. Uh, yeah, I felt like I did that a lot in my 20s, like saving movie ticket stubs. And I still save my I'm glad I did. I threw those out, but I'm glad I hung on to my like concert stubs yeah. and things like that. And uh, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're coming of age, sometimes you're nostalgic about uh, <laughs> the moment you're living in. Yeah, and that's, I think, what made Paul Paul, right? He wrote 1M64 when he was a teenager. Yeah. (laughs) God bless him. (laughs) Yeah, good song. I would would rate this song as one of their best uh, album cuts, deep cuts. Uh, The next one is one of my all-time favorite deep album cuts. I love 
everything about any time at all. I just love, love, I love the feel. I love the melody. I love the gait to the song. Paul's playing piano, playing those descending piano notes yeah. on the on the verse that doesn't sound like any other Beatles song. The the kind of piano guitar duet in the middle eight doesn't sound like any other Beatles song. That's Paul on piano for this. George's That's guitar, cool. I'm not sure what he what equipment he's playing. Mm. It sounds like like a precursor to that bird's 12 string. And I love after that middle eight, you don't even get a full verse. They just kind of do a chorus, then end it. And I love the ending. Bam, bam. Yeah. Two chords to end it. So it's got this cool little rhythmic trick. I'm in love with the song. It is a favorite early Beatles album cut for me. Especially how it opens with that smack. Yeah. Ringo. Dear Whack. Which, uh, sorry, Tony John would later instruct Ringo to do and Don't Let Me Down. Dear Whack. Like the Beatle connections you can draw, like pound this drum or in Don't Let Me Down's case, the symbol, pound it to give John confidence was a recurring theme. And that's, again, what makes Ringo so brilliant is his entrance to the song requires you to listen. Yeah. And, you know, in that middle part that originally was going to have lyrics, Paul actually wrote the middle eight. And it was supposed to have lyrics, but their crazy schedule and mixing happened. They just they never got around to it. So quitters. <laughs> yeah. They, Fucking quitters. They considered changing their name to the quitters. In fact, I really think they should have. <laughs> when we were going to be Johnny and the quitters. <laughs> <laughs> and then Johnny and the silver quitters. <laughs> quitters with an F. Why? <laughs> well, it was in a dream. There was a guy. <laughs> on a flaming pie and... <laughs> You will be quitters with an F. <laughs> I had a vision when I was 12, and I saw the man on a flaming pie, and he said, you are Beatles with an A, and we are. The mono version, the instrumental bridge we were just talking about, it has a different mix. The piano is actually much lower in that, and yes. in, in our T2108 copies. <laughs> By the way, I picked mine up. There was a time when I just happened to go into Reckless and somebody unloaded a bunch of original mono American records that were in shitty condition, like for $2.99 each. And I snapped up, I think, something new and 65. And I think I actually got Pepper that way, too. Um, anyway, it was great. Yeah. So there's that's just incentive to go visit your used record store. You never know when you're going to run into something. Yeah, and also, TJ, real quick, I want to thank you because you you told me that the Less Than Zero soundtrack was at Reckless like two months ago. And yeah. I finally went in and it was still in there. Somebody had moved it to the M section and the, the clerk found it for me. But I was like, I, I your store has it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it in your online database. I know it. Yeah, that's awesome. So I got much love to Reckless Records and the, all three in the Chicagoland area. That's, I'm glad you got it. Yes. Thank you. Less Than Zero soundtrack on vinyl. Thank you. Is that on Def Jam? Uh, yeah, it was It was before Def American. It was called uh, Def Jam. Yeah. 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 Distributed by Columbia, I think. So I remember the cassette tape of it had the Columbia red. Yes. I didn't buy it, but I remember seeing it. It had the red brick. And that's what I originally had. And that's all Rick Rubin. That's why like Slayer's on there. That's why Danzig's on there. Uh, uh, Roy Orbison singing a song written by Danzig. You know, pretty cool, man. That's awesome. <laughs> you up for listening to a bit of music? Yeah. What you got? Here's a little number. Well, we have mentioned this next song a bunch on the show, When I Get Home. Would you say that we are When I Get Home defenders? 
a hundred percent. I've always loved the song. I love Ringo's drumming slows everything down every time they go in the chorus in yeah. the most perfect groove way because it doesn't hurt the song, but the goom, 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 goom is never quite in tempo and it's great. I love it. Yeah, he's just behind, which gives your songs a little more heft. When you're ahead, it's it's rushed and you lose the thing. When you're behind, you actually gain a little bit. You gain more time. I don't know. There's something about when you hit something behind the beat, this is like a Led Zeppelin thing. It just gives it more power. sound like a girl group apparently they were influenced by the Shirelles. yeah yeah and when i and when i was giving this as another listen for this on the uh the vinyl here on my rainbow mono scratchy rainbow mono the low end of the piano really came out something i hadn't heard in the 2009 remasters and all that and especially in the bridge the piano is really prominent on this my on the the mono copy too yeah i love the song um, maybe not the best song they ever did lyrically. These are not the <laughs> finest beat of lyrics, but the groove and feel of this is great. Yeah, I think it's the only song the Beatles did that mentions a cow, if I'm not mistaken, right? When I get home tonight, I'm gonna hold her tight. I'm gonna love her till the cows come home. Yeah, although didn't they collaborate with the Beach Boys in that song, Cow? Is there a Beach Boys song called Cow, or did I make that up? <laughs> If you did, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Is there a Beach Boys song called Cow? It's my favorite Beach Boys song. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I love the song. And it's, um again, lyrically not great. No. What, uh, no time for, what, I've got no time for trick realities. What's I've never known what the hell he's saying. I could go to lyrics.lyrics. Oh, uh, trivialities. Trivial trivialities, okay. Yeah, that's what I hear. Okay. Yeah. I've yeah. always heard trick realities. Oh, that's funny. Isn't that funny? I like that. Sometimes lyrics are so hard to understand. Like I always thought it was Pussy in the Fly with Hymens. There's always some <laughs> idiot who's like <laughs> Tampa's horniest morning zoo. An aspect of the song I've always loved is Lennon's rhythm guitar, especially when he does that little drum fill that apes Ringo's drum fill back into the verse the dun 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 dun, dun. yes when I get home come on and then there's one time where Ringo doesn't do the fill but Lennon does till I walk out that door again come on and apparently the line on the mono version Till I walk out that door again is a it's a different vocal take on the mono version. It's subtle. I didn't know that. Till I walk out that door again. Now we get into our Larry Williams stuff. Uh, let me take that again. Sorry, we just have the one. <laughs> I just know that they recorded like three Larry Williams songs in yeah. one night or whatever. That's where that you were going. I I am, but they, the next song is Matchbox, and that's Carl Perkins. I was thinking like, let's change it for this. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, and then we got the Larry Williams stuff. <laughs> This is a fun one. This is this might be actually my favorite of their Larry Williams tunes, I think. Anyway, I've always liked this one. Yeah, that that drum fill that Ringo does going into the second chorus is really fun. You better slow down. I love the if you wanna love to laugh. 
it's it's so funny. It is it, it's John just kind of grunging up energy. Yeah, like these songs were. This was on the, was this on the Long Tall Sally LP? Yes. Yes. Mm, try Long Tall Sally EP. Thanks a lot. So I think, you know, these weren't going to be album tracks. They were kind of just running through stuff that they could record, get out there and augment for the American market. Um, but like I said before, this song as raw and sloppy. This also enters. There's like a three, four song window of George Harrison shitty guitar solos. Mm. I, I defend him so much, but it's <laughs> this guitar solo is a hard listen. <laughs> He's going for like a combo Chuck Berry, Carl. Well, that's what he's going for. It's what he was, that kind of Chuck Berry, Carl Perkins fusion style of playing, which is such a cool thing to attribute to somebody. But that's what George's two massive influences at the time. Yeah. But he can never get untracked. I feel like he's just kind of noodling a bit. This is maybe one of his Carl Harrison solos then, maybe. Yes. <laughs> Should we call him those? those? Exactly. We call him Carl Harrison right now, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I, I, I love George Martin's piano pounding in this. It's a little like rock and roll music, just pounding those eighth notes. Yeah. George Martin would play some badass piano, which is why when he's dressing a grandpa in Paul's Take It Away <laughs> video makes me very sad. They somehow in that video, I don't know who directed it, they make George Martin, who was probably like 50 at the time, look like he's in his 80s with the sweater and the smile. <laughs> And the like, somebody get him a fucking Worthers. <laughs> you know, I can still remember the very first sweets given to me by my grandfather. They were Worthers original, and I was poor. I remember feeling I must be someone very special when my granddad gave me his wonderful butter candy. Yeah, that is George Martin on piano. Uh, I love that Lennon, first of all, Lennon screaming into the solo. And then that woo at the end, too, is just great. Woo! Like, this is like legitimate energy. I almost feel like this is about as close as they got to the uh, Hamburg sound on tape, you know? Well, until the last song of this album comes up, and that's as close as they got to the Hamburg sound. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mock Shao, my friend. Mock Shao. Mock Shao. Mock Shao. Yeah, th this is a great. I mean, I, I love Bad Boy, too. Another Laurie Williams cover because it's just so that's just John being goofy. Bad Boy, another one where George is not playing the greatest guitar of his life. But yeah, this this is fun. I I don't know if this was a single anywhere else but the States, but I love that the next two songs were an A and B side and charted in America. People were so hungry for Beatles stuff. And it's cool to find a late I think the last Capital 45 vinyl pressings were the early 90s. And it's fun to see a late era pressing of Matchbox slow down because like, who's <laughs> buying this besides me in 1991? For real, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I did. That's awesome. I said, I'm sitting here watching Matchbox holding my clothes. Stereo double tracking makes Ringo's voice sound like you're in a nightmare. <laughs> well, if you don't want my baby, the peaches, honey. <laughs> well, if you don't want my peaches, honey, please don't shake my tree. If you don't want Ringo's peaches, honey, please don't mess around my tree. Yeah, the peaches line in particular Jesus is Christ. like, how many caves was this recorded in, Ringo? <laughs> 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 totally. I, I I will give this song merit because Ringo's drumming on this is so it's that weird Ringo clearly playing in four while swinging. Mm, it's a mm -hmm. very definitive Ringo drum take, I think, because it's just so it shouldn't work, but it does. And it pushes and propels the song. And he's he screams singing this like he's doing it live at the Hollywood Bowl. He's performing this like it's live, not like a studio take. Well, that closes side one. You flip it over, and I, I think you get another great side opener. Tell me why. 
this is another kind of a girl group feel. John says that they were going for that. He's like his quote was a black New York girl group song. This is one where he, John, curiously takes the higher harmony, which is, I believe, usually reserved for Paul, maybe George sometimes. But uh, yeah, John takes the high harmony on this one. I love this song. This is my favorite song on the record. Uh, oh, really? I fucking love Tell Me Why. I think it is. It's in my Please Please Me category of two-ish minutes of just joy from start to finish. Oh. The kind of weird syncopated beginning. It gives that kind of, because it's, uh, to your point about what John said, like a black New York girl group thing. Yeah, he matches it both musically and energetically. One falsetto line, is there anything I can do? <laughs> Sticks out saying? so well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what they're saying. I'm not the being a lyric expert. I could never understand what they're saying. They're so in the red on that line. It's hilarious. And they only do it once. Again, we talk about beetle taste on the show a lot. What is your favorite beetle taste like? No, we talk about <laughs> the taste the Beatles and George Martin exuded. And they only go to that falsetto thing that, that one time. Uh, the, what I wrote down here, Tony... I. No other band on the planet, especially then, could deliver this song this way. It's as much the musical composition and the performance of this is so 64 Beatles. It is just in the sweet spot. Ringo's triplets coming out of the bridge. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so, and he's playing with dynamics as well in that. I just feel like this song is a case study for how a quote-unquote minor Beatles track, also used in the great when they're showing them on TV in A Hard Day's Night, which is kind of a, a fun thing to think about when you're watching this. This is a pure fucking early Beatles classic. Five fabs. Good night. <laughs> I got some trivia for you on that Hard Day's Night film. Uh, for that scene, one of the extras in the audience is a 13-year-old Phil Collins. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to tell me that today or maybe in one more night. <laughs> 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 I had to walk around the block to get that one to work. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, though. When the Beatles were singing that song to that crowd, they were looking at somebody in the crowd who was a murderer. <laughs> Did you ever hear that story? <laughs> what? Are you referring to Matthew Broderick driving a car in Germany? <laughs> Hashtag Sealy Dick. <laughs> No, this is back like before the internet and all that shit. There was like the story behind uh, In the Air Tonight. You know, there was some story about how like when he sang that he was like singing to someone in the crowd who was a murderer or some bullshit. It's one of those old uh, urban legend things. Was Phil Spector at a Genesis show? Fucking <laughs> horns and birds and seagulls. Watch. Shit. Yeah. Phil Collins, by the way, greatest thing he did for music was destroying Eric Clapton's output in the 80s. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Eric, let's make Forever Man longer. Okay. <laughs> Someone had to. <laughs> Someone had to. Yeah, so I, I love the song. And it's so funny how there's certain side openers on the American albums that are just album tracks and the British ones. Like This is the second to last song on side one of the British A Hard Day's Night. And here it opens side two of the of uh, this Something New album. I just, I am gaga for this tune. Yeah, when I was getting into the Beatles and going from junior high into high school, I was, I was, I was imagining what high school was going to be like. And I was really hoping it was going to be something like this song, which was like, did you ever see Cooley High? Which I want to say took yes. place in Chicago, right? And it was the, basically that was the film uh, that inspired What's Happening, the TV show. Uh, right. But there was a part of me that was just hoping high school would still be something kind of like that or whatever. It wasn't. It was dumb. No, don't be <laughs> acne and bullies <laughs> and losers. Yeah. Those cool, cool days. <laughs> Coolie high. Well, so eight songs into this record, we get our first like canon song. I give her all my love That's all I do And if you saw my love You'd love her too 
None of these songs are on one, but this is the first song that's on the Red album. I'm talking about And I Love Her. This is like the first like really known song. Real fans don't mention the greatest hits albums, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Th- those don't exist. We don't count those. But uh, those were massive, ma- massive for me as well. Yeah, you're right. This is the first kind of hit. And um, I've said this before. When we did our stereo versus mono show, Tony. Uh, I love the mono um, single track Paul vocal here. I prefer this. We'll get to If I Fell in a bit, but it's the same thing. I love the single track on these ballads. Bright are the stars that shine. Dark is the sky. I know this love of mine will never die. feel like the double track takes the beauty away from me and to hear this in mono i believe it's the only place the mono worldwide release was a was the double track as well just in mono yeah yeah and then of course the german version has the closing riff repeated six times six times yeah <laughs> why is it rarities on cd <laughs> Another funny thing about this record is that uh, Parlophone issued the LP on American Armed Forces bases in Europe, and that version is like extremely collectible. So if you've got one of those laying around, really, you can get some hot cash for that. I've never hot heard cash. of that before. Hot cash, <laughs> not cold cash. Hot cash. <laughs> cold Stone Creamery's hot cash event. <laughs> Bring in your hot cash. Get a cool dish. Come on in, motherfuckers. On Tampa's home for tits. Public and pro. Mornings, whether you like it or not. <laughs> we super glued your radio dial. To Gluglik and Fro. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked your wife while you were sleeping. Yeah. Gluglik and Fro. <laughs> Here's the latest Kid Rock. Here's Kid Rock ripping off another classic rock artist and fetching about taxes when he's a trash millionaire. No, no, next. <laughs> Fucking Kid Rock. Sorry. Probably won't make it. Sorry. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have thoughts on the single track versus double track? Because when I do hear the song, I really do just want to hear that Paul solo vocal. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. There's something like double tracking you do to like cover up flubs and that kind of a thing. At least that's from my experience or give it more heft or something. But with a song that's personal like this, it's a love song. Yeah. You want to hear just one person singing to you, you know? It's not like the Paul twins are singing. I mean, that's, you know, unless that gets your rocks off or something. Hey! <laughs> Actually, I've always preferred the next song. I'm happy just to dance with you. It's it's a lighter song. I love this one. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. This is written for George, especially, you know, so there's that. This is kind of that period when George didn't write. You know, he had Don't Bother Me from the previous record. And then there was a little drought until Help. Before this dance is through, I think I love you too. I'm so happy when you dance with me. I don't wanna kiss or hold your hand. If it's funny, try and understand. There is really nothing else I'd rather do. Cause I'm happy just to dance with you. I don't need to hold your hand. Well, here's something I, I was trying to figure out what I like about the song and it, I like the intro. I mean, I like everything about it, but the intro is interesting and I, I was trying to figure it out. And I guess it's because it, I read that it begins with the last four bars of the bridge, which is just a curious way to start a song. I think, you know, let's start with the end of the bridge. It says the just to dance with you. Bum, bum. It's that progression, right? I guess it's like. Yeah, I've always liked this song. I like the way George's vocal sound. He sounds very relaxed. 
It's a cool, it's like, it's George being cool. You know, it's his, yeah, it's his cool thing. This is a favorite of mine as well. And I never understood why this wasn't done in concert. Help me Beatle concert nerds go to song kick FM or whatever it is and tell me, but I think this song was only done briefly for the BBC. And I don't think they did this live very often if ever. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think he preferred to sing the covers and stuff in this era. That was like maybe a, sh- a stronger showcase for him, you know? The, yeah. I, I, I love the song. The O's at the very end mm. are so, I mean, the O's throughout are great, but the O, the minor, minor, then the major resolve is so nice. I just adore this tune. Oh, cause I'm happy to sit dance with you. Another one we, we we did mention back in our post breakup compilations episode came from again the Love Songs album and that was If I Fell. This is this is probably my favorite song on the record. It's in my top ten. This is in my top ten, I think, of favorite Beatles songs. And I, I just think it's one of Lennon's greatest love songs. Uh, despite the puppy love lyrics, it's puppy love, but it's puppy love wanting to graduate. You know, it's 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 it, to me it's a more mature early song. I love it. I love it. If I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true and help me understand? Cause I've been in love before and I found that love was more than just holding hands. If I give my heart to you, I must be sure from the very interesting because he it, John kind of got a lot more of his love I think as his career went on and I think a better love songs Attica State <laughs> you know tomato tomato <laughs> we, we, we gotta tackle that album at some point I love this song too it's such this is the one when woman came out on double fantasy people kept calling that his Beatles song and I think because yeah. subconsciously it has it's very different than if I fell but it's got the same kind of Beatlesque feel mm-hmm. I love this too um the mono version um again where it's just a single track from the from the beginning best version yeah is by far. is is the best version uh there's the weird vocal mistake is it in in the stereo yeah where Paul can't get through the word in vain without cracking a little bit that's not in the mono version it's punched in as an edit in the mono I think to be fixed yeah because I couldn't stand the pain and I would be sad if I Yeah. Also, John's double tracking in the beginning of the stereo versions, like slightly off. It's it starts a little bit off. It's yes, it does. If I fell in love with you. Yeah, that's kind of why I say it's got to be the mono version for this song. Yeah, but it's a lovely tune. And then this ends with the song, uh, as it says on the record, "Come, give me Dinah hand. I want to hold your hand." Dot dot dot. Sung in German. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. It says that in parentheses underneath it. <laughs> There's a very weird thing, Tony, the stereo pressing of this. And you can only find this on CD in the 2004 Capitol albums. Uh, first issue of this. There's weird studio chatter at the top of this. That's not in the mono and not oh. in the 09 remasters. There's a second of weird studio chatter that sounds very strange. Coming. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But what a weird way to close this record. Like, it's a huge hit, right? It's one of their all-time greatest hits but sung in this really clunky, unromantic language. <laughs> We've mentioned Glue Gleek and Froze, of course. In deinen Armen bin ich glücklich und froh. 
probably had fun singing that. You can tell they're like <laughs> kind of goofing on why they even have to do this. Glugleek and fro. And fro. Put spawn das. I'm going to do this in karaoke. I could do Sleep Dick and this live right now in a karaoke bar. Oh, Kanda. Come to me. Because uh, I've had, here's my, wait a minute, my original something new cassette that I had for. Oh, wow. I love it. Ever. This is how I first got to know the album. I think I was in seventh grade. What's the spine? Is the spine black? No, it's the uh, blue spine. Is it blue? It's the yeah. light blue. I love it. That's great. And uh, I mean, just as I was like we talked about in our uh, Beetle Bottoms thing, they're just ridiculous. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Asshole. I always think he's saying I'm asshole. I'm asshole. I'm asshole on deal. Icky deal. I don't mean to mock the German language. It's not not I mean it's not for you know, I'm not doing it for mean reasons. I just don't know what the fuck they're saying. Well, the writing credit on this is Lennon McCartney was Gene Nicholas and then Heinz Helmer, which is my favorite mayo, by the way. Use Heinz Helmer on all your sandwiches. <laughs> Heinz Helmer just turned 57. <laughs> yeah, Heinz 57 sauce. But these these are pseudonyms of a guy named Camillo Felgen, maybe Camillo, but Camillo Felgen from Radio Luxembourg. And he was the one tasked with uh, coming up with the lyrics. May I do the, the translation Please. from German back to English on what they're actually saying? Yes. Okay. Mach show, mach show. <laughs> Oh, won't you come on, come to me. You drive me out of my mind. Oh, won't you come on, come to me. Come on, give me your hand. Come on, give me your hand. Come on, give me your hand. Oh, you are so beautiful, as beautiful as a diamond. I want to be your boyfriend. Come on, give me your hand. In your arms, I feel happy and glad. It had never been like this with any other girl. Not like this, not like this, not like this. Oh, you are so beautiful, as beautiful as a diamond. I want to be your boyfriend. Come on, give me your hand. Come on, give me your hand. Come on, give me your hand. <laughs> Come on, give me your hand. So th this was the first run for your life. <laughs> so what does look, look, and fro mean? Oh, let's see. In your arms, uh, happy and glad, happy and glad. And I'm asshole? I'm, I'm asshole. asshole? That's not like this. I'm asshole is not like this. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> this is the original Sergeant Pepper's inner groove. This is the, the high pitched noise to make the dog bark on Well, that's how it closes. Now, however, if you own the eight track, do you own the eight track on this one yet, TJ? Or is that uh, still on your uh, wish list? I, I do, but I, I don't know how it's different. The end of program three includes "Thank You, Girl." What? <laughs> That's what. It, according to my, what I, my research. Hold that thought. We're taking a five. We're taking a pause. Hold on. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> TJ is going to get his something new eight track. We'll have to figure out if it's still in the shrink wrap or not. My guess is that it is not in the shrink wrap. I think I would have heard about the shrink wrap. Oh, here he comes. Here's TJ. One day when you can come out and uh, come over and hang out, I'll show you the weird stuff. <laughs> and since we are doing the show, I brought a lot of the weird stuff from the locker back to here. Oh, I love it. Oh, you got your bin. The bin of weird stuff. Look at all those eight tracks. It's the bin of Beatle eight tracks. <laughs> You've got so many eight tracks. They're in, this is just one bin. They're in chronological order, Tony. <laughs> No, that's Treasure City, bro. Holy shit. All right, check it out. You, Yeah, not in shrink wrap. There's your something new 8-track. It's a white 8-track. The plastic is white with the sticker over it. Go ahead. Program 3 ends with Thank You, Girl. Yeah, if you want to listen to this record, something new, it's not streaming or anything like that. So you got to find it either on Discogs or, uh, you know, they did release the American records on CD and all that. But uh, I love this record. I, I give it uh, I give it four fabs. 
I give it four out of five fabs. I think it's a great listen, especially for something that doesn't have any uh, any real hits on it. Nothing that did. And I love her chart. And I love her did chart. It was backed with If I Fell, and it hit number 12 on the Billboard charts in July of 64. There you go. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, TJ. Well, this record to me proves that the the young Beatles, even their less celebrated songs, make for just a great overall listen. So I, I highly recommend this record. Me too. The complaints I have are that some of the songs that were recorded in that same Larry Williams session and things like I Call Your Name didn't make mm. this record. It, it's with the running time that is the Dave Dexter complaint, many Dave Dexter complaints, like <laughs> butchering the catalog of the greatest artists in the world. Not my fault that Dave Dexter butchered him. I grew up with these records. I love them still, you know. Yeah, um, they're fun. They're fun but, in their way. A little like Hey Jude, the, some of the songs that were left off are kind of inexplicable. But yeah, it's a great, uh, great, great release. If you want to be true to the original pressing, most people listening to our show have this ready. But the Beatles Capital Albums Volume 1 has the original final mix of this on CD. The 2014 remasters use what they did for 09. It's not exactly as true to the original something new. So if you want a good digital pressing of this, seek out that 2004 box set or Venmi, bitch. <laughs> Venmi. Venmo me. Venmo me VI. <laughs> now we're just saying syllables. It's Venmo me six, Tony. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. Is there a Beach Boy song called Cow? Fire. Mr. Leary's cow. Mm-hmm.